This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Balls. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring instant, is Lyle Fulton, and I'm joined, as I hope I always will be, I'm sure I always will be, by the brilliant Jackie Vores. Jackie, we're back again Thursday afternoon. I feel like we're kind of settled now. Thursday afternoons, it's a good place to be. It's a good day of the week. How are you? How has your week been? And how are you doing this fine Thursday afternoon? I'm really tired. Really tired today. There's many reasons why I'm tired, but yesterday was such a packed, packed, packed day. So do you remember Caroline Wheeler, who was on our podcast a little while ago? who's the political editor of the Sunday Times. Well, she's just written a book called, got to get it right, Death in the Blood. And she invited me to the book launch last night. Very cool. But before that, I had to go to a, a, a soiree for another for a client of ours at the Institute of Directors. So I sort of hot-footed it. from, and, and of course, because I was in London, I had meeting after meeting after meeting with clients and and obviously members of, of staff of Demoso, so it's just like so tiring. So sort of hot footed it from the Institute Directors down Pall Mall, down to the Strand where Caroline was having a book launch at APCO, which is a very famous public relations, public affairs agency. And there I saw my dear friend, Joe Tanner, who works at APCO, and also also met Andy Burnham, who did the sort of the, the foreword for Caroline's book, um, Penny Mordaunt, Dean Keegan, who else was there? There was just so many people, so many famous faces there, but also the victims of the the, the tragedy that she's actually written the book which about. Which she's written about, yeah. Which and is I met a few of them, and literally when Caroline was talking, at the end of the launch, there was not a dry eye in the house. Even my new husband, James, just started choking up, saying, can't talk. It was so so moving. And these victims are so brave and they've had so, so much trauma and tragedy. It's just, it's a horrible story, but it was an amazing launch. Fantastic. Well, I mean, hey, you know, it sounds like, you know, a bit of whining and dining, obviously a very serious message at the end there, but it sounds like, I mean, am I speculating here or is this correct? You've gone into town, you've done your meetings, you've met everyone. That can be it for a bit now. Or are you well, gonna be going no, back no. in for a bit? <laughs> no, um, no, it's 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 everything's getting busier. I don't know about you, Helen, but when we get into September, October, things just start sort of picking up. Lots and lots it, of meetings, lots of people coming over across the pond for meetings. Yeah. I mean, you're just back from New York, aren't you? Oh, sorry, we haven't even introduced Helen No, yet. you know what? I actually like the change in uh, approach to the segue there. I actually really liked the kind of, just kind of organically just introducing the guest, you know, as if she's just, you know, she's she's just here. It's totally yeah. cool. I'm waiting. Yeah, no, yeah, that's no, cool. No, hey, and Helen, thank you so much for waiting. Listeners, Jackie is done brilliantly there, in fact, because, yeah, it is absolutely right that we introduced our guest for this week's episode of the podcast and we're delighted to have her with us it is the absolutely brilliant helen neal now i did warn helen before we went live that i was going to do my textbook you know fairly regular introduction that tends to embarrass lots of our guests with all of their fantastic achievements and helen is no different insofar as she has lots of fantastic achievements on her cv and i'm going to rattle them off for you listeners helen 
is the founder and CEO of HN Communications, which is an award-winning specialist sustainability communications agency. Uh, it's a small consultancy, but with a global reach, and they work with some of the world's most well-known brands, including Bosch, Asahi, as well as NGOs such as the Climate Group, leading the way on the road to net zero. She's also the founder of Leaders Live, a virtual thought leadership hub, exploring the future of business, innovation, and technology through conversation with business, academia, and political leaders, which was recently recognized as an emerging brand of the year finalist by the PRCA. On top of all of this, listeners, because there is more, Helen has also previously worked as a government researcher before working as a government affairs manager for Virgin and later Nissan. She's also recently appeared on fellow podcasts, which we're delighted about because it means she knows what it takes to be on a podcast. We're really excited for this. The PR360 podcast and the Purpose Effect and as Jackie mentioned, she's just got back from New York where she has been at Climate Week, which we're going to talk about, really excited about. First things first, Helen, how are you? How are things? How are you this fine Thursday afternoon? And can you also tell us a little bit about how you came to set up HN Communications? Because we're really intrigued to, to talk a bit about that today, if you, if you wouldn't mind. Well, what an introduction. I feel like a little overwhelmed, actually. I need to fan myself down. But thank, thank you. That's incredibly kind. That was and the plan. That was the plan. <laughs> overwhelmed is always a good emotion. In it's a, weird, in a good way. It, like hearing stuff like that about yourself and I think you know m- most of us always feel a little bit cringe on on those kind of things so we'll we'll shift past that quite quickly but um <laughs> it's really nice to be here and um thank you so much for having me on yes I've just got back from New York for New York Climate Week which was amazing I know we're going to have a little chat about that and talk a little bit more about sustainability and what that means in terms of communication in terms of me I think like you've just said I come from a corporate background originally in fact I've never worked in an agency although I've worked alongside lots of great agencies in my life never worked in an agency myself but I had this sort of strange notion six years ago to kind of jack everything in for various reasons and kind of go off on my own and I started freelancing for a bit and I think like many people that end up setting up their own business you don't always necessarily intend on setting up a business per se I sort of started as a freelancer and just got the bug for it really enjoyed it and started to pick up more work and we just sort of grew out from there really quite organically and again never set out to necessarily be a sustainability focused agency at all but we just found that time and time again because of my background because of who I'd worked for in the past obviously cars and and aviation always carry with it a lot of issues around sustainability and emissions and things I just ended up always kind of being gravitating towards um, sustainability projects and work and so a couple of years ago we just thought hey do you know what we're going to really niche in here and go all in on this space because we know that's what we're good at and that's kind of where we've we've got to today really. For me I love exposing these real specialisms in communications because it really for me it just highlights the fact that communications is a really complicated thing yeah and and they and you do need experts in certain areas of communication to really make it very clear what a company has to do especially nowadays when we're dealing with many more demands on a corporation or an organization's sort of uh, ethics mission values where they stand as well as what they actually do it used to be in the old days well we just do something we make something we produce it we sell it and it's gone and we might service it afterwards and that's all we think about but nowadays it really just comes down to what are you putting in there and why are you putting it in there and where is it from and there is so there's so much more complexity around business and therefore 
around what we communicate. So are you a sustainability nut? That's what I want to know. Uh, did you take this into your, have you taken this into your sort of home environment? So I, so I think, am I a sustainability nut? I don't think I'm bonkers about it. I think it's something that's really important to me. And it's something I try and educate the rest of my family to which I get often the odd eyeball roll. But, um, <laughs> You know, I, I am still I'm we try and do our bit at home, but I do think there's an important part here where I think, you know, consumers and we're all consumers, aren't we? Like we just feel it can feel we can feel quite powerless in terms of we know just what a huge magnitude of an issue this is and how we feel like, you know, how much can we do to really make a difference? We can all play our part, but I think the reality is that it's big business and it's national governments and, and regional governments that have the power actually to drive real meaningful change when it comes to sustainability. And I think with us, with our work, we really have focused in on saying we're going to work with NGOs and we're going to work with global corporates who we know have the means and the wherewithal to shift and change their industry, because that's where we feel we can make the biggest impact. Because I think otherwise we can I think it's very easy for us to get this kind of what this term climate anxiety, which a lot of the kind of millennials and below are starting to feel where they feel totally powerless and being able to control the future of their planet. And I think, you know, we can get we can get bogged down. We can feel like it's just too difficult. And I think we always try and take the view that there is actually so much positive climate action out there. And having just come back from New York, as I said, from Climate Week, listening to big global brands, but also listening to, you know, US senators and, and government representatives from across the globe, hearing what's actually happening on the ground, which we don't tend to hear in the in the kind of wide mainstream media. There's a lot of action and activity that is happening of, of meaningful change. And I do think there's a lot to be positive about. And I think the more we can get those messages out with mean that's based on meaningful action, because we can talk about greenwashing and green hushing in a minute, mm. but meaningful action and showing that this work is possible and that change is possible, I think is is actually deeply uplifting. And I genuinely came back last week feeling quite uplifted and thinking, right, I, right. I believe we're gonna do this. That's just such good news. What what interests me is when you um when you take on a project, I can kind of understand the work that you would do with NGOs because that's their mission. But what about taking on a brand new organization who hasn't really thought about sustainability? Do you find you're not only consulting about the comms, but also about their policies and what they should be doing, you know, all the way through the organization? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the time we do. I mean, the, the brands that we work with primarily have got amazing, solid ESG strategies that are not only standalone ESG strategies, but they're fully baked into their overarching business strategy. And that's always one thing that we would always start with any business is have you got a sustainability approach that is fully embedded into your overarching business strategy? Does it link to your marketing? Does it link to your financing? You know, does it link directly to your engagement with your consumers? Because it needs to flow through the whole business. And of course, that ultimately comes down to the leadership and the CEO and the C-suite being fully on board with this. You know, sustainability is no longer an add-on and a nice to do when we've got a little bit of budget or try and tick a box. It has to be fully embedded across your business. 
So to answer your question, Jackie, yes, we do get asked about those sorts of things. And I think I think we've seen a lot from the work that we do with NGOs and the work that we do with some of our clients is we've we've learned a lot as we've grown. You know, and I think this is one thing about the sustainability space. Nobody has all the answers and businesses and organizations and, and, and NGOs, we're, we're, we're testing these things out all the time because this is a whole new territory. Often this is about full business transformation of a whole business model, a whole industry of how it's operated up until now and how it's going to need to completely reorder itself for the future so that it it's not emitting carbon and that it's you know managing and treating its people in certain ways and so I think you know it's there's, there's a big magnitude there of, of big change and inevitably I think accepting that no one's got all the answers but that we're trying and that we're acting and we're testing these things out I think is is definitely the way to go and for me i think that's hugely exciting because it's a it's a period of great potential innovation i think that we're going to go through interestingly you you know you've mentioned automotive and you've mentioned aviation and those are two to me very obvious um, industries who would be looking at sustainability and taking that very very seriously having those esg strategies baked into their offering what about is it is this something that all businesses should be doing it doesn't matter whether you're a accountant or whether you're you've got a corner shop because I know we have all sorts of different people listening to us whether they're being large companies or whether they're just trying to think about a social media strategy for their DIY shop like my DIY guy Cam up the road who's done some brilliant social media work just recently but do you think this is something that we should really start baking into everybody's businesses I mean, I really do. I mean, I suppose I would say that, wouldn't I, considering my background? But I do, and I actually think that is happening. So we're we're a certified B Corp, which is a benefit corporation. Your listeners may know a little bit about B Corp, but if you don't, it really, it's quite a rigorous system where you measure all of your emissions, but you also commit to put people and planet in alignment with profit as well. So there are certain kind of legal changes that you make as part of your business. And we're part of a local network. I'm based in Northamptonshire. And and actually, there's a whole range of businesses from uh, recruitment to reusable nappies to uh, like, you name it, they're they're utterly completely different types of products and offerings, who are all B Corp as well, that have all made these significant commitments around people, planet and profits and having a clear business purpose. And do you think B Corp status should be something that businesses should consider when you're looking at things like procurement you know if you can put the fact that you are b corp certified that helps you when you're supplying products or services to other companies who also want to you know maintain their b corp status I think it can help because I think, you know, even when as part of B Corp, when you're looking at things like scope three, and again, if you know it's between scope one, scope two, scope three, and scope one and two are usually the things that you directly control as a business, but scope three is in your supply chain. So that suddenly becomes much more difficult for you to control in terms of those organizations that you do business with, in terms of how they also manage their emissions, etc. So to your point, Jackie, I think I think it can really help. I think it's potentially going to be more important as we move forward and as 
businesses start to really bed in and bed down on sustainability being a really clear strand of their overall business strategy. Because we also know that, you know, investors are starting to look much more in this space when they come to look at, you know, funding businesses and providing finance. Being a sustainable business is also a clear and important part of that. And I think that is also growing as well. So I think there is this movement and this shift. We're not there yet, for sure. I think it's still quite a, a, a grassroots movement, relatively. Lots of people don't know about it, but I do think it's moving in that direction. That's really good to know. A lot of the work that we do is in the games industry. And obviously, we've got all sorts of, like, with technology, there's obviously numerous sustainability issues when it comes to carbon offsetting whether it comes to the blockchain and the amount of server power that's being used but I'll be a bit controversial here whenever we've tried to put those messages into a program or into a uh, into a, a media campaign about you know companies that we work with uh, rovio is a really um great example of trying to sort of plant trees to you know uh, as part as part of their games nobody really cared none of the journalists would pick that up as a story they just were they were just like, ah, boring how do we make people care and see that this that you know that these initiatives are really actually very good and very interesting well, I, I like the example you gave there, actually, Jackie, because I think I think it's a good one. So I think I think what we have seen is what doesn't work well is exactly what you've described is when a business tries to look at something um, in the sustainable space. So if you're a gaming business, but you you go and um, plant trees, and where's the connection with your business and your business purpose with that sustainable activity? I think where we've seen it really successfully done is where a business has or a brand which is known for a particular thing. So, for example, there is a brand from an organization that we work with. It's a beer. It's based out in Romania. On the bottle, there is a bison. These bison are actually endangered species. So this beer brand worked with well-known charities and, and NGOs like WWF on preserving the habitat of this uh, creature, of this bison, and, and launched a whole campaign around that. Now, that was actually incredibly successful. And I think, you know, it was solely because it was that the activity around sustainability was directly linked to the business purpose and, and authenticity of that brand. So I think it's really important of, of really mapping your brand when you're looking at any kind of external sustainability activities that you want to do, that you want to talk about necessarily. But you're right, there is also this other issue where I think lots of consumers aren't directly interested and want to know the nitty gritty. They just want to know that you as a business are doing the right thing, that you are you know, taking care of the planet, that you're not damaging it in response to the work that you do and that you're taking care of your people and your supply chain. And actually these things are almost kind of and should be standard practice. I think a lot of us think and hope that the brands that we purchase are gonna do right by that. And I think on the flip side, of course, what happens when you don't get it right? And actually oh, we've seen- That's what it's the other end, right? 
Yeah. Listeners to our podcast will constantly know that I literally bang on about crisis communications to the extent I'm saying a lot of these crises should never happen. You know, the the crisis preparedness does also apply to sustainability, hugely hugely. to to sustainability. So what, what do you do when you're consulting with clients when it comes to painting a picture to them of where things could go wrong and why they how they need to mitigate for that? So I think I think it's always so I think you mentioned something at the very start about the complexity of business these days when it comes to communication. And I do think that there this is just my theory. I could be completely wrong. But one of the things that I feel having worked in corporates myself is corporate communications has is done a particular way. Marketing is done another particular way. You then might have your internal comms, which is done another slightly different way. But they're all done in a in a particular way, which seeks to, you know, be positive, you know, give the best picture you can. And I think actually with sustainability communications, it's different. I think, you know, it, it it's not necessarily, and in fact, it shouldn't be about putting it in the best light. I think it's about being super transparent. We work with our clients to help them go on a bit of a journey to kind of talk about the bad and the good, because, you know, we all know that sustainability is complex. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's also costly sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Mm. And that's difficult for a business. And so we try to get them from the get go to be open and transparent and, and primarily talk about the action that they are taking rather than talk about lofty commitments or gimmicks or things that they can't properly quantify and justify. So for example, you know, if you're talking about a product being generated uh, and created using renewable energy or renewable electricity and you advertise that, great. But then what you're likely to get is, okay, but what about the water that you use to help create that product? And what about the packaging? Is that 100% recyclable? And you start to unravel all of these other questions. So I think it's important that you have all of your ducks in a row before you try and make any kind of lofty statement. And actually far better is to talk about the ongoing action that you're taking, the fact that you have a plan and that you're working towards that plan and actually sharing sometimes the difficulty when things aren't going right because that's the learning for for you, for your industry and possibly beyond. Music to my ears. Music to my ears. I'm always talking about honesty. I'm talking about transparency, authenticity. Nobody ever gets all these things right, right from the start. No. People do learn from what other people are doing. And if people are transparent to say, listen, we're on this journey, we've learned that it's all very well having recyclable packaging. But if you haven't got recyclable ink on your recyclable packaging, then that's not going to get you anywhere. And yeah, yeah, I only found that out because I did a little bit of exercise in packaging and it's so complicated. Right. You know, and but the thing is, Jackie, what is it? Is it that this is, I'm racking my brains at the moment? I think, is it that cultures within corporates need to change? Yes. Are we still stuck in the part? Like, do you think that's the case? I so think that's the case. I'm so, oh, so last night at this one of the soirees, I was talking to a chap from, this is off topic a little bit. It's more about culture in corporations, but there's this big games development company called Unity who has just caused a 
you know them. Yeah. So they've just caused a, a massive um, upset with all of their customers and clients by unilaterally just throwing in some new charges that none, nobody could plan for. Yeah, it's the Game Pass, isn't it? It's their new Game Pass that's well, it's not a Game money. Pass. It's it's char- yeah. it's basically charges per download, per download unless yeah. those people use their ad network, which for some companies they don't have ads in their game, so that wouldn't work. But anyway. There's a whole reason why they're doing it. And it's just a pure money getter. But I was talking to him about the and and this particular business leader and this particular biz, board of directors. They're known for running roughshod over their community, over their clients and customers already. I'd love you to go in there and take a look at what their sustainability policies are, because I doubt they've got any. <laughs> But yeah, hold me to account on that. Yeah, show me your your policies. Anyway, but that is a purely cultural thing. That is because it's run by, sorry, but you know, middle aged white men, privileged men who have just sort of decided that that is a culture that they and nobody can argue with them. Nobody can stand up to them. Nobody can say you know question anything. And I think unfortunately we have this layer of management in certain organizations that won't do something until something goes really horribly wrong jobs are lost heads are rolling and then lots of preventable things could have you know that that, that could, could have happened don't happen and, and then it all goes wrong so yeah, yeah I'm absolutely of a view that it's it's cultural I'm absolutely of a view that my generation and the people in their 50s are responsible for all sorts of bad things because they're not listening to younger generations who are literally knocking at the glass ceiling going I know how to do this better I know how to do this better for a company I know how to communicate it better I know how to talk to your customers better I know what people care about now and um, on that note Helen do you see that drive for change coming from younger people I do yeah definitely I think it's really strong and I think those younger consumers definitely have an incredible amount of power I think sometimes they feel powerless but actually they have a huge amount of power and I think I think it's hard to see it when you're in it but I think they are changing the world Mm. I think they are moving and shifting things in a way that you know from our generation we've never seen that level of change so I think I think that the younger generation kind of 30 downwards has got a lot to be proud of and a lot to feel like they're doing something really positive they've just got to keep going and I think they will because I think the more I see you know go along to sustainability events and and summits and things I just see more and more of that youth coming through and and actually getting more of a platform as well to be able to kind of share this which is so important and they are the next consumers they are the consumers now but they're going to have more and more consumer power as we go through the years and so we we've got to get on board and we have to change I was going to talk to you about this actually because that's it was actually really heartening right at the top of the episode Helen to hear you talk about you having come back from climate week in New York and just how positive you were having heard what people had to say out there and how good things are looking moving forward I didn't really want to dwell on this too much in this episode, but it kind of, I feel like it has to be raised, particularly, you know, with your you know history as a government researcher and things like that. We're not a political podcast. We'll try and keep it as unpolitical as possible. But obviously recently, mm. a big news story has been this big old U-turn that um, Rishi Sunak has, has sort of brought about when it comes to sort of net zero targets and the phasing out of gas boilers and he's pushed back you know, the deadline for selling new petrol cars, new diesel cars. My question is less a political question and more 
a question for for someone like yourself working in this area of the industry how hard is this kind of occasionally whether this is true or not you can tell me but how hard is this occasionally one step forward two steps back kind of landscape because much as the messaging coming out of climate week was really really positive and obviously staking the ground and you know however many years ago and then you see the change that has happened since yes things are moving in the right direction but in an industry which is so still dominated by the actions of certain you know major governments and, and what they're doing from the from the bottom up how hard is it for you to then kind of maintain that messaging maintain that commitment not commitment because obviously you're very very committed but kind of yeah. keep going in and, and changing and evolving how you how you do these things when occasionally things like this which is a setback you know based on what climate activists are saying when things like this do happen how difficult can that be i think the whole space around sustainability is is really difficult and it can be very wearing sometimes and it can wear you down and i see that with all the hard work that individuals are making you know whether you're in an ngo whether you're in a big corporate actually making meaningful change i think it's i think it is difficult but i think everyone that works in this space are real fighters and we're not in this for for an easy ride us we wouldn't be here and so we know that I think there's always going to be these hiccups in the road and these challenges. And I think, you know, having come from a car company myself and part of my original role was to get the first electric cars into the UK, because at the time there wasn't even laws to allow them on the road. It really hurts. Yeah, <laughs> It's really frustrating. But I actually think that those CEOs that are really making a change, those C-suites that are really making the change, I think they can look beyond short-termist government decisions and they are looking much more to the long term and I think it's about kind of blocking out a little bit of that noise and staying deeply focused on the plan that you have set yourself because we all know in the end we've got to get there and you know it's unfortunate I think what's happened in the past couple of weeks here in the UK but I don't think that necessarily stops and holds particularly like big global businesses and and the NGO world from continuing to champion and and fight for where they need to get to. You've answered my question there, actually, which I think is actually that I was going to ask, yeah, it may alter ever so slightly the short-term strategy of these organizations. But as Jackie and I love to talk about on the podcast, the messaging remains the same. And if anything, you're more committed to that message than ever before, because you know, however difficult things are going to be in the short term because of these things that are happening domestically you remain committed to that kind of level of of commitment and those communications that you kind of set out to begin with I suppose and things can change again right we're going to go through an election in in a year or so's time and who knows like where we're going to be again so I think you know it's we've just got used to this part this world of like deep flux haven't we over the past four or five years and so I think almost setting yourself your own goals and future about where you know you need to head I think becomes ever more important what about the other challenge of greenwashing I see that a bit like that old-fashioned thing of spin with general communications everyone's like can't you spin it for us Jackie you know all you have to do is spin it and I'm just like you mean lie (laughs) there's no such thing in yeah you can be positive about something but you know I do come back to so I feel like greenwashing is a bit like that evil word spin I think you're right I think it's bad we say don't do it just just no it's simple message but I think there's also a space where I think 
some businesses are just not and I'm not making excuses at all I think you know businesses need to get educated CEOs need to get educated in terms of you know sustainability and the importance of where that needs to sit and it goes back to I think that point around the way in which you communicate you know general communications or corporate communications has always been like I said earlier a way in which to kind of show things in the best light possible. You know, you're a business and you want to present yourself in the best way possible. We all do, right? But I think that's not how sustainability communications can be or should be. We are not doing sustainability communications to sell your product. Sustainability communications should be about partly explaining your purpose as a business about why you exist and what you're here to contribute you know beyond just making a profit and I think more and more consumers are wanting to see that sometimes businesses are even unintentionally greenwashing because they're using old ways of of thinking like can you just spin it for us Jackie and can we just say it in a slightly more positive way or bump up the figures a little bit more? And that's where you immediately trip into this space of greenwashing, which is deeply dangerous and hugely damaging for your business. So who do you think it, and this comes on to, we talked a little bit about cultural side of things, but who in the business, is there a job title yet for somebody? I think we need a job title, which is so chief good officer so he brings in things like diversity <laughs> crisis prevention yeah. chief officer for good can i be cgo of demozo i'd love to be cgo of demozo i think i'd be terrible <laughs> at it but i'd love it i think it'd be great but you know that I, I was talking to um a client this morning I and mean, she's just been made chief partnerships of, officer and i said sounds very like chief people officer though because you're doing all these other things and it just seems to me that as we look at us as as organizations growing and changing with all these different considerations in how we create product or how we um, sell services we need to have actual physical changes within the structure of an organization to make people accountable for all these things do you think that's happened yet have you seen any examples of organizations that have people that you can actually go ah hallelujah I can speak to you because you know what you're talking about I mean, I think there is a growing role of the CSO, the Chief Sustainability Officer. And I have seen that that role goes way beyond just someone that measures emissions or perhaps holds responsibility for the sustainability strategy. But I think also one of the, I love the idea, by the way, I think, you know, Chief Good Officer, Chief Purpose Officer, whatever it might be. I think, you know, more, I wonder whether more and more businesses will start to have someone like that. But I also think there's a space for, and it comes back down to that strategy piece we talked about earlier, in ensuring that all of your key people, whether it's the finance or the marketing or the communications or the HR, all have clear KPIs and uh, responsibility for elements of sustainability for the company. And that the decisions that they make always take into account an element of sustainability. And that means people as well as planet in terms of the decisions that they make. So, you know, whether it's procurement, whether it's marketing, when it comes to developing packaging, whatever it might be, that these decisions need to be embedded in your thinking and your decision making process. And one area where I've seen this work really well is when businesses become really bold and say, actually, we're going to link part of the business bonuses of our C-suite to elements around sustainability as well as financial performance. 
And that really does help to drive focus of all of these key people within the business to just take account of that through all of the business decisions that they make. So I think that's also a great way for businesses to start thinking about really sustainability in their organization. That's such great insight. That's such great insight for businesses to to really think about how do we, I'm sure everybody would really like they, they would like everything to be more sustainable. They would Most people are good people. Most people are nice and they would love everything. But that's a really good way to focus the message is to say, let's put it as part of our business mission. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, for lots of businesses, we're all businesses and we're all busy and it's, it's, it's really hard. You don't go into business wanting an easy life. It's difficult. And so sustainability adds yet another deep complexity to your business and how you need to operate. And I think businesses are struggling. I know that the big corporates are struggling, let alone the, you know, the smaller, medium sized businesses. So it's really tough. We're in a difficult, challenging space. But, you know, there is definite room for us all to try and keep doing better, isn't there? There is. And I think people have to also tie sustainability back to the fact that we will suffer more in the long term if we don't nail it now. And I think people can't, can't really get their heads around that in while well, we're having a cost of living crisis and everything else. But, you know, we're in a cost of living crisis. What we're talking about is a living crisis yeah. that's down the road. And so uh, while it's it's really hard for us all to get our heads around it, it's just so important that, you know, if people can tie it more into their vision and their mission and their value sets from a you know from day one, then that's great. And certainly, Helen, after talking to you, I'm going to be when I'm going into customers and I'm talking about their positioning and messaging, I'm definitely going to be bringing more of the the sustainability messaging in, you know up and in full focus as part of my positioning sessions. Brilliant. So this is great, you know, this podcast is a great place for us all to learn about how to be better communicators. And part of our responsibility, I think, is always to sort of put something on the table to tell people, have you considered this? Have you Absolutely. thought about this? And she's Absolutely. also going to make Lyle Chief good officer of Demoza. <laughs> uh, that's, that's also, that's going to be a key takeaway of this episode. No, it's can, actually, I come, can I come to your promotion party? You, always, <laughs> always, yeah. As and when that happens, which will be imminently. If I have one of those... It can't be taken back. No, I'm joking. Um, no, but I think it's, it's really, really encouraging. I mean, like th- this is a strange kind of tangent to go off on. But I mean, I played football yesterday morning and it was 25 degrees yesterday you morning. You cannot do a pod without right? getting Can't football. Make, without football. I love football. I live for football. <laughs> football, by the way, football could be doing more. Football, I mean, I think last year there was, um, this is a really weird tangent, but last year there was the first ever net, a carbon neutral game. Uh, Tottenham hosted at, the, at their new stadium. They hosted a, a fully carbon neutral Premier League fixture it was broadcast live and they were able to I mean how fully carbon neutral it actually was I mean I think that's how they kind of branded it but I think it was as good as they could possibly get to but the point I was going to make is it was the 27th of, I don't want to date the podcast but I've just done it it was the 27th of September yesterday it was 10 30 in the morning and it was 25 degrees outside now I know like you know seasons and and weather is reasonably changeable but it wasn't happening was it you know that's that's called a spade a spade it just wasn't happening and, and when people turn around this was going to be my my point actually is it's good to know that it's not one or the other it's not top down in terms of businesses but it's also not just up to the people who work within organizations to set the example for business leaders and c-suites to follow it's kind of an amalgamation of of the two because there are still a lot of 
and again, I'm not going to try not to politicize this episode, but there are a lot of naysayers out there still who argue that yeah. you know it's fine and this is all oh, some yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's and it's and it's it's ridiculous. And it's really encouraging that kind of the example is being set from everybody. And I thought what was really insightful about what you just said, Helen, is that actually we're all businesses. And that is something that as a freelancer myself, I believe anyway, because that's how I live my life and how I operate. But actually, even if you're employed full time by an organization, we are all in and of ourselves businesses because we have expenses, we have incomings, we have overheads, we operate like businesses. And if we continue to operate individually, as businesses should do on a larger scale when it comes to sustainability, then we're only going to head in the right direction, surely, as technology you know, grows and, and becomes more advanced. Yeah. And there are growing tools out there. I know you guys work in the gaming industry, you know, a, a lot as well, but there are like digital tools out there now that are relatively low cost and some of them are free that any small business can go on and use and can calculate quite easily their scope one, scope two and scope three emissions. So it's even just a way in which to kind of see where you're at and just understand it a little bit more and just be a bit more aware, I think is useful. And Equally for for businesses where if they are interested in in the B Corp side of things, and I you know I don't I, I don't get paid or anything by B Corp, but I would say it was a great process for us as a business, not only to get on the right track of where we wanted to be, but actually got us to think in different ways that I would never have considered running a business in terms of policies and practices and ways of working. The whole process gives you a lot of guidance, so. I actually, I was surprised how much I learned from going through the process and how we've been able to, I think, take our business and our employees up a level in terms of how we operate as a small business. So I would also say, because I was given this exact same advice in November of last year, and I'm very grateful for it, that if you are interested, just give it a go. Like all you need to do is go on the site and try out their kind of their questionnaire side of things. It's quite straightforward. And then I'm you just wait. I'm going to give it a go, definitely. I probably won't get any thanks from DAF for putting another thing on the list of all the things we want to do, but you've got to try. You've got to try everything you can. And yeah. the more we talk about it and the more we do things like that, the better for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, actually, because I, and I mean this, this was totally coincidentally, just before we went live this morning, I just Googled climate emergency or you know sustainability in business and it was one of the things that came up and I thought oh I wonder mm. whether or not like that's something that may come up and then just before we went live you announced that brilliant HN communications is as yeah. is now part of it part yeah, of this collective of organizations which is fantastic I mean just before we bring this episode to a close I mean is that something that you just went and did you went and filled the questionnaire out or did you meet someone who works for the organization or how did that come about that you became part of the of this brilliant B Corp collective which is fantastic it's a fantastic group of organizations so I, I had a chat with somebody that was already B Corp. Um, they were very kind enough to give, and he was a very busy business owner himself, very successful, very kind to give me 30 minutes of his time to just talk to me about it. And he just said, look, just try just try the questionnaire, see how you get on. It's, it's a great place to start. And then you can just take it from there because I think otherwise it can feel deeply daunting. And I think I came at it with a preconceived view of, you know, oh, we're a small business this isn't for us like this is this is kind of big business stuff but actually as I researched it the amount of small and medium-sized businesses that are B Corp is actually quite significant so I think I think that was the encouragement and of course because of the space we work in because of the clients 
that we work with, we really felt we needed to walk alongside with them. You know, it's very easy from the sidelines to say you need to do this or we advise on this. But actually, until you've gone through a, a similar type of process that is really rigorous and is challenging, I think we've been able to better understand some of the challenges our clients are going through because it's given us an extra level of empathy because we've had to go through something quite similar for our own size as well. So I think on two fronts, we wanted to be able to walk the walk alongside with them as well so that so I think it, it's kind of helped in all ways but from an employee point of view our team are just made up it was so important to them you know most of my team are between the age of sort of 25 and 35 and they are really passionate about this space I guess it's one of the reasons why they work for us but becoming this status and being part of that has been really really important to them too that's great. Absolutely brilliant. Well, we'll link all of that. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, I think Daph will be into it. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to throw it out there. I think he'll be into it. I mean, maybe that's me speaking out of turn. He might not be. I'm sure he will be. I'm sure he'll love it. You know, he, he loves it. I've got to pay it forward. Someone great spoke to me and yeah. gave me some advice. I'm not as great as this person, but I can certainly give him a bit of advice. I highly He's doubt good. that. And that's not just because you're here. I mean, you've given us more than <laughs> half an hour of your time and I've loved every minute of it. Thank you so so much for coming on the podcast yeah, thank honestly you, thank you for talking so eloquently and articulately about all of that as well because i'll be honest and i'm you know i'm gonna age myself let alone date in the podcast i'm gonna sort of reveal my age fine this is i am 30 i'm gonna be 31 in march and um it's a big you know it's a big thing for for my generation because you know but in 30 40 years things will have moved on again won't they and my children my grandchildren hopefully you know will we'll be dealing with with things that have moved on uh, sort of several decades more as well and, and it's been big for big for my generation and, and i know friends of mine who work in this space as well in different areas but even still however important and as significant it is to my generation and, and friends of mine and peers of mine i've learned tremendous amounts even in the last 45 minutes which even i didn't know about when it comes to sustainability in business and things like that and i think it's always important however much you think you know about this very, very important area of the world and area of life to always be learning and striving to learn more. And, and that's why we'll link everything when it comes to B Corp and we'll link the brilliant Haitian communications and the work you do as well. Uh, and I may even link some more information about the news that's broken in the last couple of weeks. We don't, we're not political, just the information you need about what's going on. Cause it's important to keep updated on, on what's going on. However you feel about it, it's important to keep updated on, on on that news but helen we'd love to have you back on again in in a few months time to talk more about it it'd be amazing thank you thank you so much for having me i've loved it thank oh, you oh we've really enjoyed talking to you about it helen there's so many more questions as well so definitely we'll have to get you back you are absolutely i'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground right now you are absolutely coming back because i want there's <laughs> so many more questions this is brilliant you're so great to have on as a guest thank you so so much a few quick t's and c's from myself listeners before we let helen go and before we let you go before next week's episode thank you so much for listening once again if you'd like to get in touch with us you can do so by emailing us info at demozo.com or info at the rest is pr.com we respond to both email addresses go to both websites as well for the brilliant work demozo have been up to where we're going to try and continue to be more sustainable increasingly more sustainable as a business as the years pass by and also you can head to the rest is pr.com for all things podcast you can also get in touch with us via x and I'm going to have to call it X now. I'm not going to call it Twitter. Oh, I said Twitter. There you go. But X, you can get in touch with us via X at the rest is PR, capital T, capital R, capital I, capital PR. You can follow us 
on X. And you can also get in touch with us via LinkedIn. You can get in touch with Jackie or myself via our LinkedIn profiles. We'd love to hear from you. And also, by the way, this is another excellent example. Just going back to the emails, the brilliant Helen and her lovely assistant, Laura, emailed us, right? So it can be done. And now Helen's on the podcast. It can be done. Right? It can be done. And we love it. We absolutely love it because we loved hearing from Helen and we just had a fantastic chat with her. So get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you. If you have any topics you'd like for us to discuss or if you'd just like to be a guest, it would be amazing. But Jackie, same time next week. We love Thursdays now. We do love yes, Thursdays. I'm liking Thursdays. Thursdays work. Thursdays work. So I will see you same time next week. Helen, thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. But listeners, have a lovely rest of your week. From Helen, Jackie and myself, take care of yourselves. It's bye for now.